SCP-7219. F is for Fallout. Nuclear power is the most awesome force that humanity has ever harnessed, capable of both providing energy to run a civilization as well as the devastation to destroy one. Since mankind's discovery of being able to force nuclear reactions, there have been a number of applications utilizing nuclear energy, some good and some definitely not good, with some accidents along the way. The effects of ionizing radiation on the human body are some of the most horrific things that can happen to us, and no small amount of people throughout history have died or been grievously affected by it, on purpose or otherwise. SCP-7219 is about the deadly effects of radiation, but it's also related to the callousness and ignorance that leads to its misuse, leading the Foundation to have more radiation than they know how to deal with. SCP-7219 is a humanoid anomaly exhibiting a localized oniric, or dream-affecting, compulsion located within a chamber of an abandoned subterranean Global Occult Coalition bunker, currently inaccessible from the surface. Thermal readings, ground radar scans, Geiger counter readings, and recovered dream journals of those affected indicate that this space is both heavily irradiated and pressurized due to the presence of large quantities of superheated corium. Corium is a highly radioactive molten material composed of nuclear fuel and reactor construction materials created during meltdown events, and it's presumed that the corium has maintained its temperature via anomalous means. Despite residing within the space, the humanoid has not appeared to be damaged by the chamber's heat, pressure, radioactivity, or lack of nutrients, and ground-penetrating radar has confirmed that they are mobile within this space, but haven't been able to provide an accurate physical description of them. The primary anomalous effect of this humanoid is an ability to contact and influence individuals within a minimum 70 kilometer radius via their dreams, with an as yet unknown maximum radius of effect. Within a subject's dream, the anomaly is capable of reshaping the dreamscape and narrative while also maintaining complete control over the dreamer's conscious state, able to prevent them from awakening or awakening them itself. Any information given to a person targeted by 7219 will be considered factual by that individual upon awakening, and any instructions given will develop into obsessive-compulsive behaviors. Affected individuals have reported that carrying out instructions to them is akin to a primal need, primarily motivated by fear and self-preservation, but this effect can be reversed through the use of amnestics. Individuals that have been contacted by 7219 display moderate levels of irradiation, which is cumulative, and those that have been contacted four or more times will have been exposed to an average of five sieverts of radiation, which is generally a fatal dose. 7219 is aware of the experiences, memories, and knowledge possessed by those it influences, and it will often release an individual from its control if it comes to believe that the individual is unable to aid it in achieving its goals. 
Individuals ordered by it to enact a task frequently develop mental disorders, particularly anxiety and obsessive-compulsive disorders, as a consequence of this control. These can be treated via conventional means, and are believed to be a psychological response to the anomaly's effect on their psyche. Individuals that have been contacted by the anomaly describe it as a heavily burned, emaciated, male human, with luminescent yellow eyes displaying signs of acute radiation syndrome, with several accounts describing it as possessing areas of exposed bone and muscle, mixed with embedded lengths of rusting metal. All accounts describe it as being extremely tall, with molten material orbiting it in loose rings, its face barren of flesh, with visible musculature partially hidden beneath a mask of its own sloughed-off facial dermis, lashed to its head with cord or wire. Numerous dream journals and notes have described it pleading with them to aid it, and reported feelings of empathy toward the entity. During attempted interviews conducted by Sleeping Foundation staff, the entity has proven largely uncooperative, frequently coercing the dreamer into aiding its goals. The entity consistently pleads with the subject to free it from its subterranean prison, providing them with detailed knowledge of its location and hand excavation techniques. No discernible patterns have been identified in the people affected but it most commonly targets males between the ages of 20 and 60, at an average rate of one person per three months. To date, all affected individuals have continued excavation over the site, despite the area's high radiation levels, causing them to develop acute radiation syndrome. They will continuously excavate the area, stopping only to rest or rehydrate, and will continue until they're forcibly removed or they die. The entity was discovered by the Foundation in October of 2013, following the detection of a radiation spike in the area, alongside a 73% increase in missing persons reports. Due to long-standing suspicions of a GOC facility in the area, the area was rapidly investigated, where it was soon determined that a large, subterranean bunker had suffered a catastrophic nuclear incident. Signs of anomalous activity in the presence of an organized evacuation were detected, but no connection to any group of interest could be determined, due to it being abandoned. As a result, the bunker was considered a low priority at the time due to a lack of anomalous activities. In 2015, however, a standard review of the area discovered that excavation of the facility was being undertaken by civilians. The area was immediately cordoned off from the public, and an investigation discovered lethal amounts of radiation in the area, radiation-damaged excavation equipment, and the corpses of 78 missing persons, all of which had expired from acute radiation syndrome. Investigation into their belongings led to the discovery of documentation alluding to the entity, with subsequent investigations discovering the anomaly proper. Due to the radiation levels within the excavation above the entity, the majority of individuals drawn to the area have suffered acute radiation syndrome. Initially, this was observed only in those who had visited the excavation in person, but an investigation into the afflicted individuals found varying amounts of gamma radiation in their beds and clothing. 
the discovery that dream-based exposure to the entity is hazardous necessitated Foundation acquisition of all affected areas, including 28 homes, 3 apartment complexes, 17 vehicles, and 1 therapist suite. Individuals affected by the radiation from dreams were initially treated within a sterile wing of the containment complex due to the destruction of their immune systems. The usage of experimental anomalous medical techniques to treat the affected was approved, with the goal of developing effective treatments to be used across the Foundation. Despite extending the life expectancy of the victims somewhat, however, they still underwent severe loss of skin, muscle, and flesh, vomiting and diarrhea, leukopenia, seizures, hypotension, hemorrhaging, and shock leading to total organ failure, and death. As a result, the Ethics Committee suspended all treatment and testing on individuals affected by the entity, and has approved the usage of euthanasia in those affected. We're next given a series of documents discovered within the entity's area of effect from affected individuals. The first one is from an individual that dreamed of a gas station and a girl he likes, before the whole place lit up with green fire and melted away. He was then in a cave or a mine, and it was hot, although the air was like air and water at the same time. He was moving through it, and then saw this thing walk out of the dark, like a really tall man, but he looked melted, with bones showing. He was wearing rags and sacks like robes, and there were bits of metal stuck in his back and chest. The thing spoke to him, and knew his name telling him to go out to a specific spot in the woods and dig it up, because it was in a lot of pain being stuck down there. The man googled the spot after he woke up, and it looked the same as in his dream, so maybe he'll check it out with the gas station girl on Halloween. He mentions that he really needs to stop watching horror movies though, as that thing's face was messed up, like someone had cut it off and he tied it back on with shoelaces. He even asked it about it in the dream, and the thing said that it was the only way to get it to stay back on. The man later wrote in the journal again, saying that he's been digging every day, but the dreams won't stop. He feels sick, and the more he digs, the worse it gets, like a bad sunburn all over. He's throwing up, his hair and nails are falling out, and he's bleeding from his eyes. The thing in the dreams knows about it as well as it apologized to him, and said that it would stop hurting soon, and he should push through it. Still, he's booked in to go to the doctor, but unfortunately this was his final entry, and his remains were found within the excavation site. Another individual, a therapist, wrote about one of their patients that has cut contact. She writes that, given their state of mind and deteriorating physical condition in the previous weeks, she decided to go through her notes from the previous sessions, and she doesn't like what she sees. It's clear that she didn't entirely understand their concerns over the nightmares they were experiencing, and her assessment of them being a manifestation of survivor's guilt was incorrect. What she took to be obsessive-compulsive behavior is clearly a break from reality, and they have become fixated on digging their hole in the woods. She notes, for the record, that if the patient doesn't answer their phone, she intends to talk them down from this course of action. 
both of their bodies were discovered within the excavation site. The next document is from a Foundation researcher's dream journal, Dr. Adelheimer. He writes that he was contacted by SCP-7219 in his sleep, and while it was somewhat amenable to conversation, it proved difficult to engage with, as it was extremely focused on its attempts to make him participate in its excavation. He was also taken by surprise by how hopeless it seemed. It was far more pleading in its nature than what was presented in the documentation they found, and he believes that this will only increase with time. In the interview, he asks it who it is, and it responds that it's trapped, and he knows it, and he needs to get it out. He asks it if it has a name, and if it knows how it got here. It replies that it doesn't recall its name anymore, but it was once a man, but different. It could touch the dreams of others, and that didn't go unnoticed. Shadowy men in black trucks found him, kidnapped him, and locked him up in their little underground hellhole. The dream then shifted, and Adelheimer found himself sitting at an office cubicle before being tackled and kidnapped by shadowy men. He's thrown into a van, beaten and dragged into a sterile room, collared and handcuffed. He asks the entity if it knows who did this, but it just says, no one that will be missed. They were killed by the things they could not exterminate. Most people and monsters dragged down into the dark were gassed and disposed of, but those resistant to their weapons were locked up. Others, like him, were made to be useful to them. At first, they offered him a deal, in which he would reach out, spy on the dreams of their enemies, coerce a few people here and there to be more agreeable to them, and they would make him normal in return. They lied, however, and never meant to let him go, as how could they with what he knew and what they made him do to people? So he rotted in that cage for years, resigned to his fate, until he peered into their dreams and saw that he was not the only one held down there. Another of their guests was less complacent than him, angry and bestial, and it broke out. It tore through them like a hot knife through butter and flung itself into the reactor powering this place. It asks Adelheimer if he knows what happens when an indestructible being throws itself into a thaumaturgic nuclear reactor. The dream then changes again, showing Adelheimer a flying monster rampaging through corridors, shrugging off gunfire and practically exploding through the shadowy men. It keeps going until finding its way inside of a huge industrial room, glowing blue, before flinging itself into an enormous turbine above some sort of nuclear reactor. The entity says that what happens is their indestructible friend is crushed within the molten corium, mingling their properties and melting down through the lower levels of the facility, causing explosions and collapse as it goes, all the way into this nuclear oubliette that he lives in now, filling the air with their combined abilities, filling his lungs and pores and ruined self with its power, meaning that while this place will not be able to kill him, it will make his every moment agonizing. They used him, and because of their incompetence, he is no longer human. 
He feels like he is always on fire, always burning, cannot breathe, can barely see, and is starving without even having a stomach to fill. It asks Adelheimer if he can imagine how much pain it's in, as the dream returns to the cavern with the entity watching him. Adelheimer says that he believes so, but if its chamber is breached, the pressure would cause an unimaginable disaster, nuclear contamination on a scale beyond anything they've ever seen. The entity responds that it knows the resources they have, and knows the risks, as it has seen their dreams, but surely they can find a way, like how it shielded those people from radiation within the excavation site to let them survive longer. This could be applied further in their sciences, a way to mitigate the effects of radiation, perhaps even a way to avert any contamination event at all. If they work together, surely they can find something. Adelheimer says that he'll do his best to get his people on it, but can't promise anything. He asks if the entity knows that all of those people in the pit died after suffering greatly and asks how many lives it's prepared to burn through. The entity replies that it does know, and it's so sorry, as it tries to make it safer for them by reaching out and healing them, but it just won't stop. At this point, Adelheimer is awoken by his alarm, and writes that with the information given, they may be able to locate the ones that ran the bunker, and learn more about the site. He also suggests investigating the potential to extricate the entity from its location safely, as the Foundation has achieved loftier goals than this, and would be better able to contain the anomaly than the situation currently allows. Following this encounter, the Foundation began an investigation into any group of interest deaths within a 75km area, discovering that a number of GOC members had died within a 24-hour period of one another via unknown means. The Foundation reaches out to the GOC for questioning, but has not received any reply. The final related documentation we're provided is from another affected individual, who writes that, in their dream, they're in a hospital walking down a corridor together, and the entity was like a doctor, but still looked the same, with the air crackling like a fire. As they're walking, it looked at him and said that he was doing a good job with the pit, and asked why he'd stopped coming. The man told it about how sick he'd been getting, and asked if it means to let him get sicker, so why doesn't it stop? The entity just shook its head and said that it does hurt him, and it's sorry, but it won't stop. The man writes that it felt like an apology, and he was going to say something else, but then they were in an operating theater, at the bottom of the pit it lives in. The glowing nuclear stuff was all around him, swirling like a snake or something, and then some skeletons dragged a gurney in, and a woman the man knows named Eliza was on it, strapped down. He tried to move, but the entity put a hand on his shoulder, and said that he needed to understand what it was going through every day. The man writes that he knew what it felt like from the other dreams, but this time it said that he needed to see. Eliza started crying blood and thrashing about on the gurney, throwing up and almost liquefying. It was awful, but then, as suddenly as it had started, he was standing in his room, watching her sleep peacefully. 
He went to the bathroom to splash water on his face, but in the mirror, the entity was his reflection. He got mad and punched the mirror, screaming at the entity for showing him that. It said that he needed to see it with his own eyes, and he writes that it's better for him to do it than her. He made the thing promise that if he kept digging, that Eliza wouldn't need to, and it said that she wouldn't have to if it got out. Then he woke up in a ditch, the pit, after sleepwalking out there. He may as well dig, as it wouldn't have told him that if he wasn't close to freeing it. It's noted that this document is believed to have been written by the final individual affected by the entity prior to the current containment procedures. Following Dr. Adelheimer's interview with the entity, Foundation investigation into the deaths of the GOC members believed to be linked to the bunker began. Initially, the details of the deaths matched the entity's account of events, but as the investigation continued, discrepancies began to appear at an increasing rate. All of the locations where the deceased agents died were found to possess extremely high levels of gamma radiation, with several having been destroyed in nuclear detonations. This investigation led to a man named Elroy, a patient in a chemotherapy ward. Elroy had previously been married to a known GOC operative observed to have died in the same 24-hour period as others linked to the bunker. When questioned about the event, Elroy became distressed and refused to cooperate with Foundation operatives, necessitating the use of a GOC liaison. After negotiations, it was agreed that the two organizations would share information regarding the entity. GOC files on the entity revealed that it was formerly an unnamed civilian, abducted for use in unspecified clandestine GOC operations. It was described as largely cooperative, but increasingly prone to mental instability, self-harm, and aggressive outbursts, and was being considered for termination prior to the destruction of the facility. It had been held for five years leading up to the loss of the Northwest GOC Oniric Research Facility in a reactor meltdown consistent with the entity's account. Primarily of interest to the Foundation was a file detailing the events of December 7th and 8th, 2013, where a number of GOC operatives previously responsible for the management of the facility died of radiation exposure and spontaneous nuclear detonations in their sleep. Each individual had staffed the facility for at least four years, with many of them working directly with the entity. Following these events, the GOC orchestrated a decontamination and misinformation campaign to allay public concern regarding the detonations. These events were attributed to the entity, with the anomaly being labeled as extremely dangerous. Following this sharing of information, the GOC liaison provided a witness statement from Elroy regarding the death of his spouse. He says that they went to bed like always, but sometime in the night, she woke him up by screaming and hollering in her sleep. He tried to wake her, but she just started running around the room, screaming, continuing to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please don't, over and over again. He grabbed her, tried to shake her awake, but she just stayed under. He didn't know what to do, and then she started almost rotting, her skin melting away, her hair and nails falling out, and she shoved him off her. He was screaming her name, trying to wake her, but nothing worked. 
She started crying blood, shriveling up and screaming, I'm sorry, over and over. He went and shook her as hard as he could, and she felt incredibly hot, with him saying that it felt like a sunburn just looking at her, let alone holding her. Then she threw him across the room, out the window, and he heard her scream just before he blacked out. The GOC tells him that the explosion came from inside her, but now his darling is dead, their house and memories a crater, and they insist on paying for his chemo, even though all he wants to do is go be with her. The Foundation is informed by the GOC that this statement is consistent with those given by witnesses to other detonations, and that those who didn't detonate were believed to have succumbed to rapid onset acute radiation syndrome. Given the consistency of statements given, it's believed that the entity is capable of inducing nuclear fission of cells within living persons under its effect. As such, all activities related to the extraction of the entity are suspended, and methods of negating its anomalous effects are under investigation, with the possibility of termination under consideration. On July 10th, 2022, all on-site personnel experienced a dream where the entity addressed them personally. Upon investigation, it was determined that each affected person experienced a broadly similar dream, and were provided a description of it from one researcher. The dream began inside of a hot, dark cave, and he was standing knee-deep in glowing blue water, but the air was full of steam as well. There were ruins hanging from the cave roof and jutting out from the water, and he could see bones and ruined machinery throughout the area. The air was full of a droning, crackling sound that seemed to come from the water, and it hurt to breathe and felt awful on his eyes, but they wouldn't close. One end of the chamber was lit by an intense glow that only increased in intensity as its source approached. The entity came from that direction, and it was extremely tall, above two meters easily. There was this lava floating in the air around it, almost like a planet's rings, and that was the source of the light. It burned badly, and it filled the air with this horrible buzzing sound the closer it got. It looked like its skin had essentially liquefied, causing it to stagger and shamble closer to him, knocking debris over as it approached. He could hear its ragged breath from a ways off, and it was a rough, wet sound, like sandpaper scraping raw flesh. When it came closer, he could see that it was staring at him, and it looked furious, its eyes glowing yellow and secreting vapor. He wanted to look away, but his eyes wouldn't move from it. Upon reaching him, it was clearly in an aggravated state and addressed him directly, with the researcher unable to speak or move in any way. The entity asked why they leave it down here, and can't they understand what this feels like? They cannot care so much about those pathetic worms that they are going to simply leave it down here. Each day feels like eons, and time and time again it tries to die, but it is a ceaseless wheel, beyond death. It refuses to remain here any longer, and it will get out, even if it has to burn through each and every one of them to do it. At this point in the dream, the setting began to change frequently. He could still hear the entity, 
but found himself standing outside the containment site, watching as it exploded into a mushroom cloud. The heat and dust melted his flesh and stripped him, but he couldn't wake up. People ran from the ruins on fire, but they didn't make it far. The entity says that it is not meant to be here, and they were meant to make it human, but they lied. It's time for it to begin anew on the surface. The scene then changes again to a fireball rolling out ahead of the mushroom cloud, this time in St. Louis. The people and animals are writhing on the ground as they burst into flame and are blown apart like cigarette ash. He could see the entity silhouetted against the detonation, shaking like it was laughing. It says that you little people manipulate the world around you, deceive those around you to keep your secrets and keep your ducks in a row. They promised it a life, but all it received was pain. It then takes steps to change that and they do everything in their power to stop it, all to preserve their little veil. The Foundation is just the same as them, and they will suffer just as they did. Revenge failed to get it any closer to getting out. The scene changes again, this time to some kind of space station, with enormous detonations appearing in the dozens spreading across the hemisphere. The only thing the researcher can hear is the entity laughing. It admits that revenge did feel good, however. The Foundation has chosen to imprison it, entombing it in the worst place imaginable, and drawing out the suffering. The scene changes again to Site-19, as the Entity forces the floating Corium into a redacted SCP, which appears to make them follow it, their eyes taking on the same glow. The entire surrounding area is a blasted wasteland, raining acid that scorches all of the remaining greenery. The entity says that it's enough, and they are going to let it out. Now the researcher sees an icy, bleak landscape, appearing to be some sort of a farm, with ragged people attempting to till the earth. They are starving, covered in blisters and burned skin, and blinded. Corpses litter the ground, ash rains from the sky, and the people communicate in only grunts and gestures. He saw one man collapse with all of his fellows ignoring him, except for a child who seemed unable to comprehend why he wouldn't rise. A pair of yellow mushroom clouds form in the horizon behind the people, and they don't even bother turning their heads. The entity says that it's not going to stop and it will send every man, woman, and child in the country to dig it out. It will break their minds, and they will dig it out with their nails. It will burn the world as it has burned, and they will watch as their skin melts and their eyes bleed, mountains of corpses burning beneath an ashen sky. It will become death, destroyer of worlds, and it will be their fault. The vision then fades back into the cavern, the mushroom clouds becoming the eyes of the entity. The researcher had fallen backwards, into the water, simply staring up at the entity, which proceeds to approach and crouch over him. It says that it is going to get out, and there is nothing they can do that will stop it. Following this shared dream, the majority of on-site personnel reported signs of radiation sickness, with several having received lethal amounts of radiation overnight, 
or being the epicenter of nuclear blasts. This necessitated an evacuation of the containment site, and the decision to automate all functions of the entity's containment. All affected individuals were observed to remain in the control of the entity regardless of their condition, and were subjected to larger amounts of radiation, leading to the permanent evacuation of all individuals within a 100 kilometer radius of the site. In the following weeks, the entity was observed to affect individuals located significantly further than before, and at a drastically higher rate. As of the last update to this file, the entity has consistently contacted an average of four persons each night, at a maximum distance of hundreds of kilometers from its present location. So that's certainly a pretty bad situation for the Foundation, and humanity, to deal with, but not necessarily the end of mankind. Perhaps the GOC can come up with a way to actually terminate the entity, or worse comes to worse, the Foundation evacuates the planet, or at least part of it. It's certainly the GOC's mess to clean up though, and they seem to have screwed the pooch in more ways than one although this one would probably have been solved had they actually terminated the anomaly before everything went wrong. Regardless, imprisoning and forcing an anomaly into service that's mentally unstable and can reach into anybody's dreams was never going to be a good idea. At the very least though, based on the visions, it seems that the entity is going to let some blind, irradiated people live out an existence on Earth, so it's pretty much just the setting of a Fallout game.